Hello world, it's your favorite author in Porterfield, and we are here with another week of story time. Now, a lot of stuff has been going on this week. And you know, I said I was gonna talk about the the royal family situation, everything that's going on there. Um, but because of the fact this is story time and this is one of the big stories that's going on right now. I mean, I'm talking viral memes all over the place. One of the top watch shows currently. I am talking about Netflix's show You. I'm also talking about the book You, which is what the Netflix show is based off of. So I'm going to talk about the show, but I'm also going to talk about some concepts and some things that are actually prevalent in relationships today and how we're not too far off from Joe Goldberg when we think about it. So without further ado, I bring you another episode of Storytime. Warning, warning, warning. The podcast you are about to listen to may contain some spoilers. If you don't want to hear these spoilers, click to the next podcast and hopefully that one doesn't have spoilers as well. Thanks! So where do I begin with you? Well, <clears throat> first off, I know a lot of people don't realize this, but you is actually a book. So the show that you're watching on Netflix is a is a dramatization of a novel that was written by Carolyn Kepnes. So Netflix is really big on taking books and turning them into TV series or movies. So um, both season one and season two are books. The first one is called You, and the second one is called Hidden Bodies. So uh, I listened to the first book on audiobook. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. Uh, I listened to the first You on audiobook. And comparing the show to the audiobook, they are very similar. They're both very well done. Um, I really enjoyed the audiobook um, a lot because it really puts you in the mind of what Joe was doing and what was going on at the time, like even more so than the show. I know Joe narrates a lot of his activities in the show and he talks about his thought process when he's uh, following Beck or Love and trying to show them how much he cares. But uh, it goes a little bit deeper in the audiobook. So if you are a reader, or if you enjoy audiobooks, I definitely would suggest uh, getting a copy of that or or downloading it, listening to it on your own time. You can do that at audible.com. The library has its own app, which I use constantly. It's called Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. And then there's also other ones like audiobooks.com, so on and so forth. So definitely check it out if you get the opportunity. So the way I'm going to do this today, I'm going to break this into a few different segments. So looking at you and the way that it was written, the way that the story was told, there are certain characters that it's, it's almost like there's tertiary characters, there's secondary characters, and then there's your your main character, which is Joe. And so each set of characters, to me, represents certain aspects or characteristics of things that happen in relationships. And it's easy for me to pick them out. A lot of you may know that the very first book I ever wrote was The Lover's Manual, which is available on my website, www.nmporterfield.com. Can't forget the plug. But anyways, uh, 
that's how I started. That was my first book was a book on relationships. So I spent a lot of time talking about this stuff. I have a very extensive history when it comes to relationships. And so when I see certain things and certain concepts being discussed, it's so easy for me to make a connection between the two. So that's kind of what I'm going to do with this. I'm going to uh, break it into different segments based on the tertiary characters. And when I say tertiary, I'm going to focus on only a few of them. I'm going to talk about Benji, Peach, uh, Forty, and Delilah. And so on the secondary characters, I'm going to focus on Beck and Love. And Beck and Love are, are really the main focuses of the main character, which is Joe. So that's how I'm going to break it down. Um, and then hopefully with each set of characters, I'll be able to make a connection for something that'll be relatable to your own life or something that you've seen or something that you are aware of or whatever. So uh, with that, I'll be back and we're going to start off with Benji. What's going on, world? Once again, it is your favorite author, N.M. Porterfield. And if you are creative for yourself and you're looking for an outlet to get your content or your voice out, then you need to check out Anchor.fm. Uh, I've been using it for over a year now, and I love it. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And let me explain a few things. First of all, it's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. I actually do a lot of my stuff on the go. And then Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it basically gives you everything you need to make a great podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So the first thing we're going to talk about is Benji. Benji was the semi-boyfriend, but not really a boyfriend, kind of pulling love along. And, you know, he was doing what he wanted, but still dropping in whenever he wanted to give her a, a sex appointment or whatever, whatnot. So Benji, uh, everybody knows the Benji. We call those F boys or, or whatever. Benji represents the one that we feel we deserve. And now when I say the one we feel we deserve, there's a difference between what we say we want in a, in a relationship and, and who we say we want, but who we actually feel that we're worthy of. So most people, when they're looking for relationships, a lot of people, when they're looking for relationships, have this insecurity. They have this veil where they look at people and they say, I, that person is who I want, but I don't think I'm good enough for that person. So what they do is they settle for what's convenient for what is familiar, which is usually the ones who won't treat us right, the ones who uh, won't give us the time of day, the ones who will use us and abuse us because that's what we feel that we are deserving of. And is is interesting how uh, a few bad relationships or even things that happen before we begin our dating process um, can shape the way that we feel about love and what we are deserving of. So love, uh, excuse me, not love, but Beck in the show felt that she was so damaged that she kept just hopping from these guys who really didn't want anything of her, who didn't value her, who didn't care about her. And when she was given the opportunity to be with Joe, 
she was so concerned about Joe seeing her for who she was that she kept messing it up. And so I know me as a guy, I've dealt with a lot of relationships where uh, the woman cheated on me or whatever because she felt like I was too good for her. And so sometimes we, we do that. We look at a situation where we have a relationship, we have a potentially good thing, but we don't think that we're, we're worthy of it and we're just waiting for things to go wrong, right? So that's Benji. That's, that's what I got when I saw Benji. Peach represented the ideal relationship, the dream girl, the dream state. Um, now, when I say dream girl, it's not in the sense of Beck wanted to be with Peach because she really didn't. Uh, Beck had no interest in Peach whatsoever. But what she had an interest in was Peach's lifestyle. Peach had the life that she wanted to have. She wanted to have the fancy things, wanted to have parties, wanted to be loved, wanted everyone to acknowledge her, to see her. And that was really the thing about Peach. Peach was someone who drew attention to herself. You couldn't walk into a room and not look at Peach Salinger. It's just how it was. And so Beck wanted that for herself. She wanted that same visibility if you if you will and so i i feel like everyone has that uh that relationship or that ideal situation where it's like this is where i want to be and so we look at benji as the state of where things are right and and what we feel we deserve but peach represents where we wish we could be but once again because of how we feel about ourselves or how you know, that our, our insecurities are set up, it prevents us from actually obtaining or, or procuring that type of relationship. So it becomes kind of a, a dog chasing the moon type thing where you can't ever obtain the relationship that you feel that you really deserve. So you end up stuck with guys like Benji or people like Benji uh, if you're you know not looking for guys. Delilah. So Delilah was a character and in the show, of course, what happened to her was pretty tragic. I did not wish that on her. She was actually somebody that, well, she got on my nerves. I'm sure she got on everybody's nerves, but she didn't deserve what happened to her at the end of the day. She really did. But Delilah represents the escape. And so the escape is that person, that individual that allows you an opportunity to be anybody but yourself. This also comes back to how you view yourself. So people who are totally okay with who they are and how they feel about themselves, they're not looking for an escape. But most of us, and, and this is not this is a completely separate podcast topic in itself, most of us are dealing with some type of insecurity or depression, right? I think the world at whole is in some way insecure, depressed about something. I shared a, a quote on my Instagram uh, earlier this week and uh, something that I think is really uh, reflexive of what I'm trying to say. It's the reason we struggle with our own insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. And so when we look at our life, we see all the damage, we see all the bad, all the negative things. And then we look at other people, especially in today's society and the way social media is set up. You'll stare at somebody else's timeline. And you'll be like, oh, my gosh, their life is amazing. Everything is going so great with them. And that could 100 percent be false. Like there's there's no way that you would know that because you're not living that person's life. A lot of us put on a brave face. A lot of us put on a a facade. 
to go out into the world because that's almost what it takes for you to make it. Like you have to put on a brave face just to be able to hide the pain and the scars and everything that you're going through. So Delilah offered that to Joe. That's what he was. uh, That's what she was for him. She was an escape. She was someone that he could lose himself in because he was hurting so much over uh, love that he needed something else to take his mind off of that. And last but not least is 40. 40 represents our dark reality. 40 represents the skeletons in our closet. He represents the current state of terrible things that we view in ourselves. Um, and no matter how bad we, we try, we can't shake them. And in lack of a better term, 40 represents baggage. And every relationship that we go into, every relationship that we have, and this isn't just romantic relationships. This is also platonic ones as well. This is, this is on your job. We take baggage with us. Other people take baggage with us. It comes with us wherever we go. Some of it is heavy. Some of it not so much. Everybody has baggage. So when Joe came into the situation with love, the whole time he was like, man, I just got to get rid of 40. Like, this isn't going to work. And what he was doing was he was seeing her baggage. He was seeing something that came attached to her. And he was like, I can't deal with, if I'm going to be with her, I can't deal with this. But then if you notice as the show continued on and he started to accept, and this is after the the acid trip, of course, uh, he started to accept 40 for who he was, um, he, he felt happier. He felt a little more at peace. He was like, okay, I can do this. Like once I accept this part of you, the rest of it makes a lot more sense. And so, especially when it comes to relationships in general, when you look at your relationship, let's, let's say you're in a relationship right now, the person that you're in a relationship with, they came with their own sets of rules. They came with their own instructions. They are not the same as you. You know, that that is a fact. And, and that's going to how that's going to be how it's going to be with anybody that you date. But once you start to figure those rules out, once you start to figure out, okay, this is how this piece works. This is how this piece works. Okay, that makes a little more sense. I'm good with that. Then the relationship starts to clear up a little more because you don't have to try and maneuver around these things anymore. Now it makes more sense to you. Now that person makes more sense to you and you can be happy being yourself with them while they can be their self with you. So that's those tertiary characters. Like I said, they, they, they played a role, but the role, I, I viewed the role a little bit differently than how it was portrayed in the show. The show was great in the way that it executed everything, especially from the book standpoint. But I took something different from it, and that's kind of where I landed with that. So the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the differences between Beck and love. Oh, my gosh. One of the greatest joys I have in this life is storytelling. Whether it's superpowered teenagers, high-paid assassins, or ancient demon hunters, I am driven by the process of telling compelling stories that engage and entertain people. 
My hope is that through these tales, I can inspire others to attain to new heights in their own creativity, to tell the stories of others through my lens and bring a smile to the faces of other individuals. Now you have a chance to be a part of my story by subscribing to my Patreon and helping me to grow my writing and my publishing company to the next level. With your support, I'll be able to create new content for you like podcasts, audiobooks, and more. To get started, just sign up at patreon.com slash your favorite author. So first off, let me start off by saying that I am team love all day. (laughs) Uh, I don't even think it's a comparison at all. Love and Beck are two completely different women. And Beck was a train wreck and not saying she deserved to die. Of course, she didn't deserve to die. I mean, that's awful. And it would say something like that. But uh, she didn't help her situation either. Uh, love, however, uh, if you really get down to it, and it's going to sound crazy. I said this and I'm going to point out how crazy we probably all are a little bit crazy uh, on the next section of this. But it's going to sound a little crazy, but I didn't see too much wrong that with love did, you know, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Let's start with Beck. So Beck, first of all, all right. stereotypical daddy issues, right? She had problems with her dad. Her dad was a druggie, left her family. She never really coped with it well, so she spent her time looking for love from a male figure. Um, This is something that we see pretty often, actually. I mean, people talk about daddy issues all the time. Uh, Daddy issues also happen to men. Uh, When a positive male figure is not around, Uh, Men don't know how to love a woman properly, and so they do what they see their peers do, or they do what they see bad male figures, uh, you know, role models tell them to do. That's, you know, so it's not like daddy issues is a one-way thing. You know, I myself had some issues, uh, you know, unresolved issues when it came to my own dad uh, by the time I started dating, and, you know, I was out there wilding, and if you've read my book, The Lover's Manual, you know how bad I was wilding. But outside of that, Beck daddy issues that's one thing two she was a liar bro like she could not help but lie and so the lies that she was telling it almost makes me feel like because she was she was doing little lies right like when she was lying to joe like little things here and there that you would think weren't that big of a deal for the most part some of her lies were big but for the most part you would think it's little lies but it's it's kind of the same stuff that we see a lot of women uh, do when they're when they're talking to guys or a guy is interested in them. It's like, oh, like I'm I'm doing this or I'm going out with this, my friends and stuff like that. And I give an excuse, like little excuses to not spend time with somebody, which, you know, I'm an advocate for straightforward communication. Uh, if you're not interested in somebody, just say you're not interested. Save yourself a lot of headache. Um beating around the bush like for the for the ladies who are like oh he won't stop sending me dm messages now there's some guys who are overly persistent and probably need to have a restraining order pressed on them but if you were one of those women who just leave a guy on red and then you're like why does he keep sending me messages because i haven't responded it's probably because you haven't responded no answer does not mean no no answer does not mean I'm not interested. No answer could mean I'm busy. No answer could mean I don't look at my Facebook like that. No answer could mean a lot of things. If you want a guy to know that you're not interested, tell him that you're not interested. There are going to be some guys who will not get the point, but that's 
beyond the point. Like those guys, unfortunately, you can't really do much but block them. But she she was leading Joe on. She would call Joe up when he was convenient, like, hey, Joe, come fix this bed for me that I just ended up breaking because I was having sex with some other guy on it. Or, hey, Joe, come, you know, give me a ride here, do whatever. Um, and there are a lot of uh, women who will use guys like that. Um, there are guys who will use women like that as well. I can't tell you how many guys I know that are like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm staying with this girl. This this girl that I'm staying with. And it's like, you, uh, you laying with her for a place to stay, bro? Like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, so, you know, there are a lot of users and, and, and losers out there. People who will use you just because you can do something for them. Even if it's something as simple as, hey, this guy's going to take me out and he's going to pay for my food. Like, this is an easy meal. And I think there was a study that came out not too long ago where it said that like 60 percent. As a matter of fact, let me Google that real quick. It's like 60 percent of women who go on dates uh, actually do so just because they want to get a free meal so that uh in itself is crazy and that's why i don't uh, i'm glad i'm married and i don't have to worry about dating anymore um let me see how many women go on dates for food let's see quick google search five out of six man that is ridiculous oh no 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 excuse me this woman said five to six times a week. One third of the women you date are only in it for free food. New study says from the New York Post. So like stuff like that. Uh, yeah. When you're using people like that, like it's kind of jacked up. But this is the thing about Joe and and I'm going to get like, you know, phrasing, but I'm going to be like, I'm going to break down Joe really deep in a, in a little bit. Joe didn't care. Joe knew what was going on. I mean, partially because he was stalking her, which is, you know, not right. But he knew what was going on. He knew she was lying and he was OK with it. He was like, you know, it's cool. You're not ready for us yet. I'm not even going to push you like that. Everything was good to go. But it's not right. You know, back just in general, she wasn't a good person. His fascination with her, I think, was in the aspect of her being somebody different. And that she was so contrarian in the way that she thought and like she was she was like that one for him, I guess it would have been a book, like a rare book um, that no one had read that then no one or people were reading it, but they weren't understanding what the book was meaning. And he felt like he was the only one who could understand it. Right. Um but ultimately, she ended up getting herself killed. And I, I know everyone's going to say, oh, no, Beck didn't get herself killed. Yes, she did. If you really think about it, Joe was making her breakfast every day. He was taking care of her, letting her, you know, gave her a job, doing whatever for her. Had she not gone snooping, she would be alive. They would be happily ever after. Well, maybe not, you know, they'd be moderately happy ever after, but... Had she not gone snooping and looking for stuff and found Benji's, you know, teeth in the in the bathroom or, you know, in the book, it was found his little box of trinkets of, of things he had collected from her. Had she not gone snooping, she would still be alive to this day. That is not to excuse Joe's behavior. Murder is wrong. It's definitely a terrible thing to do. You shouldn't do it. Don't kill people. But at the same time, because this is a fictional story, had she not done that, she probably would still be alive now. On the flip side, let me talk about love. Love is my homie. Love is my, love is the girl, right? So first off, 
Love, although <laughs> she is in a way like Joe, she manipulated herself into Joe's life because she wanted Joe. Um, you can't tell me that that was coincidence that she just happened to be everywhere that he was and that, you know, she knew where he was going to be at all times. But, you know, she she positioned herself in his life. Um, but she did so in a way that she wasn't trying. She wasn't trying to hurt him. She wasn't trying to harm him. She really was genuinely trying to protect him. And so um, the first thing about love that is greatest. She's apparently a phenomenal cook, like not just like, oh, I can, you know, make mama's baked mac and cheese. But like I make stuff that you find on the Food Network, uh, that type of cook. So that already should have been a plus for Joe because Joe was eating like convenience store. Like Joe can't cook, you know, to save his life. So that already was should have been a plus for Joe. And she was like making him like brand new meals, like every day, putting it in his locker. Like he didn't even have to ask for it. And I know some guys will probably be like, yo, she's doing too much. And once again, let me revert back to the Benji situation when I say that you will reject something if you don't feel you're deserving of it. So we see behavior like that and we think, oh, that's not normal for you to do something like that for someone. But actually, when you care about someone, it is normal to do stuff for them. But we see it as such a an abstract thing because it's not something that the average person does because we're all so damaged that we look at someone doing something like that like they're a crazy person. And so, you know, that's that's that. But I think, you know, the fact Beck was I mean, not Beck, but love was like cooking for him. Then they had a job they worked together. She had her own things going on like she was in the charity and you know, donate food. She ran a, she had her own business. Like she had something going on for herself. And then it didn't hurt that, you know, she came from money. So it's like, you know, it wasn't like she was broke either. Like she had resources. Cool. You know, if you, somebody who happened to have murdered some people, those resources might come in handy someday. But anyways, Joe wasn't thinking that far ahead. I understand, you know, but the only thing when, when you look at the downsides to love the downsides of love is that she killed two people right but why did she kill those two people the first person was a woman who was unfortunately molesting her brother her brother was an underage minor this was a grown woman she killed her uh, she killed a sex offender you know you can't really be mad at her about that if you want to trip about that yeah you can trip about that she killed oh excuse me i said two people she's killed three people she killed Delilah. Delilah was going to go to the police and basically report everything. I mean, sus we suspect she would have done that. She would have gone to the police and, and told everything that Joe had done. She would have ratted Joe out. Joe would have went to jail. That was her boo thing. She wasn't going to let that happen. I can understand that. And then the last one was Candace. Now, Candace, Candace's whole character, and I should have did a little spot on Candace because Candace didn't make sense to me. Candace, um, for her to be so terrified of Joe and then follow him across country like a crazy person just to try and ruin his life. Like, lady, if if, if he don't believe you, like, just check out and, and hope he never shows his face again. If he shows his face again, yeah, you know, try and get him locked up. But otherwise, stay away from that man. He's crazy. The last time you were around them, he hit your head on the concrete and buried you <laughs> buried you alive. Like, why would you go after that? But that is neither here nor there. But, you know, 
love killed Candace because Candace was also going to ruin things with her and her her boot thing. So the three people that, that love killed were all be, uh, because they were people who were hurting or taking advantage of someone that she loved. So love to me is someone who does extreme things for the people that she cares about. I don't fault that. And I can't, I, I would, I would challenge you to think of one time if you've ever really been in love or let's say, let's, let's use a family member. Let's not even use like a relationship. Let's use a family member. Let's say that you have a little sister and someone was to do something to your little sister. Are you telling me that you wouldn't consider, I'm not saying that you, I'm not advocating for murder here. Disclaimer. And in Porterfield does not advocate for the murder or taking of life of other people. However, you've had those thoughts. You would have had those thoughts if someone had done something to your loved one. I mean, it's just is is human nature. Like we care about people we love hard and we don't want anything to happen to them. And if something does happen to them, we go to a dark place. It's just how we are. Like we're very tribal. We're very primal when it comes to stuff like that. So love did what most people would do, or she did what she thought was the right thing to protect the people she loved. If it was your child, what would you do? Like there's, there's a lot of caveats to this. So, um, at the end of the day, uh, because of the fact that love has resources to cover things up, I don't see anything wrong with what love did. Love had a plan. Her plan worked, uh, you know, case closed. There's nothing to worry about. Like, keep it moving. But Joe, for some reason, with all the craziness that he had done, couldn't appreciate what love was was doing for him. And maybe it was because he wasn't used to someone reciprocating those feelings, which once again goes back to what I was saying about the Benji thing. Like we, we take the love we think we deserve. And so the love where she was passive and he had to protect her and do all these things for her. He was okay with that, but when it was the other way around, she was he wasn't okay with that. So it's a little backwards, and I, I really didn't understand Joe at that point in time. Like, why would you feel like that? Why would you reject her like that? But at the end of the day, I thought it was I thought it was a dope development. Um, I you know I love the twist at the end with with love and and how she was, and uh, I could kind of see it. And then unfortunately, you know, Facebook with the memes and everything. Uh, they ruin everything. So I, I kind of had a heads up that something was up with her, but I loved her character and I can't wait to see what happens on the next season with him. So next we're going to talk about Joe, but uh, before I do that, I want to do a quick plug for those of you who have been following me and those who have been supporting my podcast. Thank you. Uh, continue to support, continue to follow. It's your favorite author. I write books. We got one more part and then we're out of here. without further ado it brings us to the end of our segment where we talk about mr joe goldberg so one of the things about the character design for for joe and the way he was written the way he was portrayed in the show all of that his character is meant to be unassuming his i mean even his name joe goldberg like that's not even a name that you would it would register like, oh, that's somebody that I need to look out for. Of course, now after the show is dropped, if anyone has the last name Goldberg, people will probably look at him with a side eye. But uh, Joe Goldberg is supposed to be this guy that 
on any average day, you will probably walk by him and not pay him, pay him any attention. Uh, he's not someone who stands out. He doesn't want to stand out unless he wants to stand out. He doesn't want to be seen unless he wants to be seen. A point that is uh, is actually shown very well with how every time he's stalking someone, every time he's following someone, he does this Clark Kent Superman thing where all he has to do is put on a hat and nobody can recognize him. I think it's the most it's the most hilarious thing ever. Like, oh, let me put on a hat and follow you for blocks and you won't even recognize me because I'm just some guy. I'm a stereotypical white guy. I wouldn't stand out. If I'm jogging on a trail, I would look like any other white guy uh, jogging on a trail. Like, there's nothing spectacular or special about me. And yet, there's some something uh, definitely different about Joe Goldberg. So first, his infatuation. Um, is his infatuation any different than anything else anyone has ever felt? So... I want you to think about the last person that you had a crush on or the last person you were interested in. I want you to really think about it. What was the first thing that you did whenever you found this person? You went online and you looked them up. You went on their Facebook and you went through their pictures. I did the same thing with my wife, mostly because when I first met my wife, I didn't really pay attention to her. And then when we talked online for the first time, I had to remind myself what she looked like. But everybody does this. That's, it's the age that we live in. It's a new era where information is everywhere. And so, of course, we're going to use the resources that are available to us. So is Joe weird for looking up back, for looking up love, for Googling them and checking their Instagram. No, because everybody does it. You do it right now. I guarantee you that if you are in a relationship or if you are dating somebody or interested in somebody, you've probably checked their social media at least once this week just to see what they're doing, just to see what they're up to, just to see what's going on in their lives. Now, he may have went a step above and beyond when he took her phone and logged in and made sure to see the other end of the conversations that she was having. But what he did in that aspect, as far as following her on social media, wasn't too much, wasn't too off from, from what is done by everyone, which, which is the norm right now. Um, and when you think about that, that's crazy, right? Like when you think about the fact that the first thing we do when we meet somebody is not ask them the questions to figure out who they are. We implicitly have this distrust of every human being that we encounter and so the first thing that we do is we look them up and then we believe the Internet more than we believe the person. Now, sometimes the Internet is truthful. Sometimes the Internet provides some useful information. Um, I mean, yeah, if the guy has warrants for his arrest currently, then he may be somebody you want to stay away from. Or if she did time for, you know, drowning some kids or puppies or something, you might want to cancel that date, you know, swipe left or right or whatever it is. I've never been on Tinder, so I don't know. But the Internet doesn't tell the full story. It tells one story. It tells a story. And here at Storytime, that's what we're about. We're all about the story. So when it comes to relationships, right, it's, it's funny. I had this conversation with some some ladies that I know the other day, and I asked them, um, do they normally look up guys? And they're like, yeah, you have to know whether he's a killer or not. 
and we were discussing the show you and and they were like you know you could end up with a joe goldberg and i was like it's very interesting that you said that because joe didn't have any arrest records joe didn't have a social media so a guy like joe goldberg if you were to end up with a guy like him or a girl like him because there are some some jill goldbergs for you know lack of a better name but there are some women out there who have those same qualities um, I've run across my own crazy women in my in my dating past. So those people don't showcase that online. You can't see that stuff online. In fact, the people who you can see their truth, who don't hide it from you, are probably a lot safer than the ones who don't let you see. When you can't see the demons, that's when they're more dangerous. And so I'm not saying that you should stop, you know, looking people up if you do look people up, but I'm saying you shouldn't put too much stock in that and that you should also uh just kind of keep it simple like I, I would say like a facebook search at most should be as far as you should go if you're doing background checks on someone if you're doing and and you know i know some people my wife actually i think she did a background check on me i'm pretty sure she did um but if you're doing background checks on people if you're you know trying to figure out their social and stuff like that you're basically joe goldberg you are Joe Goldberg. You're doing the same thing. You haven't murdered anybody, but you're doing the exact same things uh, that he did. And the the overall offense of what he did was he invaded her privacy, he invaded Beck's privacy. And you're kind of doing the same thing whenever you do that when you're dating someone. So um, here's what I would advise. Ask the person uh, and trust your gut. Like if you don't feel good about it, you don't. It doesn't matter how good they look or what they promise or what they say. If you don't feel good about it, don't go on a second date. It's just common sense. Like I think the, when you think about the human animal, right? Because we are still animals. All other animals have a natural uh, kind of like a spider sense, right? Like when they know they know when something dangerous is around and they know to run away. Humanity has kind of diminished that. Maybe it's because we've been on the top of the food chain. We don't feel like anything can mess with us. But our, our awareness or our danger senses are kind of low for the most part. So if you get a bad feeling about someone, just, hey, end the date. Don't go out with that person. If you don't feel safe about it, don't do it. Use common sense. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you look like the crazy person when you go and do a, uh, your own little background check on the person and then you ask them questions. So like if, if if I were to go on a date and a woman were to ask me about something that I didn't tell her in conversation, I'm going to think she's crazy. Like, oh, she's a stalker. You've just become Joe Goldberg. You know, so I'm saying that's that's one of the things that Joe did. It was like we all do it. And so it makes you wonder, are we as crazy as Joe or was Joe not as crazy as we thought he was? The next thing he did was following her, um, <laughs> following everybody. He basically follow everybody. And so we, I, I think about myself. I've, I have done it myself. Uh, I was with a girl in college who I did not believe that she was going where she told me she was going to be going. And so I followed her to see if she was. And lo and behold, she wasn't. I was right. Um, but yeah, like that is that's crazy. That's insane. Like um, we put so much stock in, in relationships that shouldn't hold that much weight. Like unless somebody is your spouse, you shouldn't be doing all that just to figure out the truth. Like if you can't trust them to be where they said they were going to be, break up. There are other fish in the sea, I promise you.
Now, if it's your spouse, hire a private eye. Don't do it yourself. If you don't believe them, hire a private eye. Spend that money. Don't waste your time looking crazy and then you show up and then you have to explain yourself because you've been following this person. You don't really know how to explain yourself. So you just make outbursts and now you look like the crazy person. And then you end up apologizing for something, even though you really don't know if you're wrong or not. And so now you've apologized and the whole situation goes away and they can continue to do whatever they were doing before. Just hire a private eye. Don't be Joe Goldberg. I promise you it'll be better for you if you just hire a private eye. If you feel that you can't trust the person. Oh, gosh, man. Joe is uh, is a character. But it's so crazy when you think about, like, have you ever followed your significant other? Have you? Like, have you ever had one of your homegirls pretend to do, like, pretend to be somebody just to try and catch them in a lie? Like, that's the type of stuff that we do in relationships. And it's crazy when you think about it. And so... All of our, all of us in relationships at some point in time have probably exhibited some signs of insanity, signs of craziness. And, you know, I don't want to say that love makes you crazy because a lot of these relationships, we're not in love with these people. We're just doing it because we feel this thing like they, they're obligated to us. Like no one is obligated to you. No one is obligated to do anything for you. They're not obligated to be faithful to you. Um, you know, they make promises, but promises are words and they can be broken. Like there's no, it's not like if they break their promise, they're going to die on the spot. So no one is, is forced to do anything. So we as individuals have to do a better job of selecting people that we feel we can trust so that we don't have to worry about stressing about whether they're where they're supposed to be or doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, the last aspect of it, Joe is a murderer. Yeah. Uh, like I said before, you know, and in Porterfield does not advocate for the taking of life. Um, Joe felt like he was removing the negative elements out of someone's life that he loved. The interesting thing about all of that was that Joe, I think Joe would have been okay if Beck had been okay. Um, I think she, in wanting to be happy with him, invited danger into her life. Uh, she is, of course, the victim. She should not be blamed necessarily for what happened to her. But uh, if you read my book, The Lover's Manual, I talk about all the time how in every relationship that we get in, we bear at least a small percentage of blame for how it ends up. Because we chose that relationship. Um, That may be the only thing that we are to blame for. But if you accept that responsibility in itself, you can choose better in the future. And so Beck, her only fault um, in regards to their relationship may have been that she gave Joe a chance. Because Joe, I think, had all things been left alone, I don't think Joe would have forced himself on her. I don't think Joe would have... uh, you know, kidnapped her and said, I will make you love me. He seemed like someone who was, it sounds weird to say he was sensible because of course, murdering someone doesn't seem sensible. And yet the logic behind his murders made sense. If that makes sense, it's it's weird to say it like that, but uh, he seemed like a sensible person. And so I didn't think I couldn't fathom him turning into this, you know, rage monster where he would force himself on 
a woman that he loved. Um, now, his, the situation with him and Candace was a little weird. I think he had a freak out when he realized she was leaving him. That may be a different situation, but I think as long as Beck had never engaged, I think Joe would have been perfectly fine with just making her a better person and allowing her to be the writer that she always be, uh, always wanted to be. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, I think he took pride in seeing her be the best version of himself, of herself, and knowing that he had a hand in that. Um, but Joe Goldberg is in no way, shape, or form a role model. He is not someone we should look up to. And all of the behaviors that he exhibits that you see in your own relationship, try to do your best to remove it from your life. Ugh. Yeah, there's a lot there. And, and there's a lot to every relationship. But that being said and done, I thought the show was brilliantly done. Uh, I thought the character of Joel Goldberg was brilliantly uh, portrayed uh, by the actor. Um, what is his name? Gosh, I can't think of his name right now. You know what I'm talking about. The guy from Gossip Girls or whatever. Um, the book, once again, is written by Carolyn Kepnes, K-E-P-N-E-S. So definitely uh, check that out. I, I think uh, it's a wonderful book. The, I mean, I'm someone who, like I said, I listen to audio books a lot. So um, I'm not someone who does like, oh, the book is better than the, the movie or not. But um, definitely I thought the book gave a little more insight and um is, is weird to say you felt a little bit closer to Joe in the book than you do in the show. Um, like in the show, you feel like a spectator, but in the book, in the audio book, I felt like I was with Joe every moment of the way. So it was, it was definitely really well written. Uh, I love the portrayal of it for the show. I thought the show was really good. Five stars on, on both ends. Um, definitely check those out. And if you haven't seen you or listened to the audiobook, I definitely advise that you check it out. But with that being said, that is it for this week of story time. It is your favorite author. And in Porterfield, I write books. Make sure that you tell your family, friends, everybody to check out my podcast, anchor.fm slash your favorite author. Make sure you share, support, uh, do everything you can. I need these listens, guys. I need as many subscribers as possible, as many uh, listeners as possible. So definitely uh, share this with family, friends, whoever you know that may be interested, whoever likes listening to podcasts. Tell them to give me a listen. It is your favorite author. I write books. Boom.